This is chapter 3 of Heaven on Earth by Thomas Brooks, the Puritan. And chapter 3 is entitled Hindrances and Impediments that Keep Poor Souls from Assurance with the Means and Helps to Remove Those Impediments and Hindrances. To despair of mercy hinders assurance. 1. The first impediment. Now the first impediment and hindrance to assurance is that we shall in instance is despairing thoughts of mercy. Oh, these imprison the soul, and make it always dark with the soul. These shut the windows of the soul, that no light can come in to cheer it. Despairing thoughts make a man fight against God with his own weapons. They make a man cast all the cordials of the spirit against the wall, as things of no value. They make a man suck poison out of the sweetest promises. They make a man eminent in nothing unless it be in having hard thoughts of God and in arguing against his own soul and happiness, and in turning his greatest advantages into disadvantages, his greatest helps into his greatest hindrances. Despairing thoughts of mercy make a man below the beast that perisheth. <clears throat> Pliny speaks of the scorpion, that there is not one minute wherein it doth not put forth the sting, as being unwilling to lose any opportunity of doing mischief. Despairing souls are scorpions, they are still a-putting out their stings, a-wrangling with God, or Christ, or the Scripture, or the saints, or ordinances, or their own souls. A despairing soul is Magor Misabib, a terror to itself. It cannot rest, but, like Noah's Ark, is always tossed here and there. It is troubled on every side, it is full of fears and fightings. A despairing soul is a burden to others, but the greatest burden to itself it is still a vexing, terrifying, tormenting, condemning and perplexing itself. Despair makes every sweet bitter, and every bitter exceeding bitter. It puts gall and wormwood into the sweetest vine, and it puts a sting across into every cross. Now whilst the soul is under these despairing thoughts of mercy, how is it possible that it should attain to a well-grounded assurance? Therefore, for the helping of the soul out of this despairing condition. Give me leave a little to expostulate with despairing souls. Tell me, O despairing souls, is not despair an exceeding vile and contemptible sin? Is it not a dishonour to God, a reproach to Christ, and a murderer of souls? Is it not a belaying of God, a denying of Christ, and a crowning of Satan? It doth without doubt proclaim the devil as conqueror, and lifts him up above Christ himself. Despair is an evil that flows from the greatest evil in the world. It flows from unbelief, from ignorance and misapprehensions of God and his grace, and from mistakes of scripture and from Satan, who, being forever cast out of paradise, labours with all his art and might to work poor souls to despair of ever entering into paradise. O oh, despairing souls, let the greatness of this sin effectually awaken you, and provoke you to labour as for life, to come out of this condition, which is as sinful as it is doleful, and as much to be hated as lamented. Again tell me, O despairing souls, hath not despairing Judas perished, whereas the murderers of Christ, believing on him, were saved? Did not Judas sin more heinously by despairing than by betraying of Christ? Despairing Francis Spira is damned, when repenting Manasseh is saved. O despairing souls, the arms of mercy are open to receive a Manasseh 
a monster, a devil incarnate. He caused that gospel prophet Isaiah to be sawed in the midst with a saw, as some rabbins say. He turned aside from the Lord to commit idolatry, idolatry and caused his sons to pass through the fire and dealt with familiar spirits and made the streets of Jerusalem to overflow with innocent blood. 2 Chronicles 33, 1-15 The soul of Mary Magdalene was full of devils, and yet Christ cast them out and made her heart his house, his presence chamber. Luke 7:47. Why dost thou then say there is no hope for thee, O despairing soul? Paul was full of rage against Christ and his people, and full of blasphemy and impiety, and yet, behold, Paul is a chosen vessel. Paul is caught up into the heaven, and he is filled with the gifts and graces of the Holy Ghost. Acts 8, 1 and 2, 9 verse 1, 26 verse 11, 1 Timothy 1 verses 13 and 15 and 16. Why shouldst thou then say, There is for thee no help, O despairing soul? Though the prodigal had run from his father, and spent and wasted all his estate in ways of baseness and wickedness, Yet upon this resolution to return, his father meets him, and instead of killing him, he kisses. Instead of kicking him, he embraces him. Instead of shutting the door upon him, he makes sumptuous provision for him. Luke fifteen thirteen to 23 And how then dost thou dare to say, O despairing soul, that God will never cast an eye of love upon thee, nor bestow a crumb of mercy on thee? The apostle tells you of some monstrous miscreants that were unrighteous, fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, abusers of themselves with mankind, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners, and yet these monsters of mankind, through the infinite goodness and free grace of God, are washed from the filth and guilt of their sins, and justified by the righteousness of Christ, and sanctified by the Spirit of Christ, and decked and adorned with the precious graces of Christ, 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 to 11. Therefore do not say, O despairing soul, that thou shalt die in thy sins, and lie down at last in everlasting sorrow. Did it make for the honour and glory of his free grace to pardon them, and will it be a reproach to his free grace to pardon thee? Could God be just in justifying such ungodly ones, and shall he be unjust in justifying of thee? Did their unworthiness and unfitness for mercy turn the streams of mercy from them? No. Why then, O despairing soul, shouldst thou fear that thy unworthiness and unfitness for mercy will so stop and turn the stream of mercy as that thou must perish eternally for want of one drop of special grace and mercy? Again, tell me, O despairing soul, is not the grace of God free grace? Is not man's salvation of free grace? By grace ye are saved, Ephesians 2 verse 8. Every link of this golden chain is grace. It is free grace that chose us, Romans 11 5. Even so then, at this present time also, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. It is free grace that chooses some to be jewels from all eternity, that chooses some to life when others are left in darkness. The Lord Jesus Christ is a gift of free grace. Christ is the greatest, the sweetest, the choicest, the chiefest gift that ever God gave. And yet this gift is given by a hand of love. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. John 3.16, Isaiah 9 verse 6, 
John 4 verse 10, God so loved the world, so freely, so vehemently, so fully, so admirably, so unconceivably, that he gave his only son, his son, not his servant, his begotten son, not his adopted son, yet his only begotten son. I have read of one that had four sons, and in a famine sore oppressed with hunger, the parents resolved to sell one for relief. But then they considered within themselves which of the four they should sell. They said the eldest was the first of their strength, therefore loath were they to sell him. The second was the picture of his father, and therefore loath they were to part with him. The third was like <coughs> the mother, and therefore they were not willing to part with him. The fourth and youngest was the child of their old age, their Benjamin, and dearly beloved of them both. And therefore they were resolved not to part with any of them, and so would rather suffer themselves to perish than to part with any of their children. Oh, but God's heart is so strongly set upon sinners that he freely gives Jesus Christ, who is his firstborn, who is his very picture, who is his beloved Benjamin, who is his chiefest joy, who is his greatest delight. As Solomon speaks, Proverbs 8.30, Then I was by him as one brought up with him, and I was daily his delight, in the Hebrew, his delights, that is, his greatest delight. Rejoicing always before him, or sporting greatly before him, as little ones do before their parents. Why then, O despairing soul, dost thou sit down sighing, and walk up and down mourning, sadly concluding that there is no mercy for thee? Hold up thy head, O despairing soul. Jesus Christ himself is a gift of free grace, the consideration of his free, boundless, bottomless and endless love may afford thee much matter of admiration and consolation, but none of desperation. And as Jesus Christ is a gift of free grace, or a free grace gift, so the precious covenant of grace is a gift of grace, Genesis 17.2. I will make my covenant betwixt me and thee. But in the original it is, I will give thee my covenant. Here you see that the covenant of grace is a free gift of grace. God gave the covenant of the priesthood unto Phineas as a gift. Numbers 25.12 So God gives the covenant of grace as a gift of favour and grace to all that he takes into covenant with himself. From first to last all is, free from, all is from free grace. God loves freely. I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely, Hosea 14.4. So Moses, the Lord saith he, set, so Moses, the Lord saith he, set his love upon you to take you into covenant with him, not because you were more in number than other people, but because he loved you and chose your fathers, Deuteronomy 7 verses 7 and 8. The only ground of God's love is his love. The ground of God's love is only and holy in himself, There is neither portion nor proportion in us to draw his love. There is no love nor loveliness in us that we should cause a beam of his love to shine upon us. There is that enmity, that filthiness, that treacherousness, that unfaithfulness to be found in every man's bosom, as might justly put God upon glorifying himself in their eternal ruin, and to write their names in his black book in characters of blood and wrath. And as God loves freely, so God justifies us freely, Romans 3.24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. And as poor sinners are justified freely, so they are pardoned freely, Acts 5.31. 
Him hath God exalted, speaking of Christ, with his right hand, to be a prince and a saviour, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And as they are pardoned freely, so they shall be saved freely. Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Thus you see, O despairing souls, that all is of free grace. From the lowest to the highest round of Jacob's ladder, all is of grace. Christ is a gift. The covenant of grace is a gift. Pardon of sin is a gift. Heaven and salvation is a gift. Why then, O despairing souls, should you sit down, sighing under such black, sad and dismal apprehensions of God, and of your own state and condition? Verily, seeing all happiness and blessedness comes in a way of free grace, and not in a way of doing, not in a way of works, you should arise, O despairing souls, and cast off all despairing thoughts, and drink of the waters of life freely. Revelation 21.6 and 22.18 what though thy heart be dead and hard and sad? What though thy sins be many and thy fears great? Yet behold, here is glorious grace, rich grace, wondrous grace, matchless and incomparable riches of free grace spread before thee. Oh, let this fire warm thee, let these waters refresh thee, let these cordials strengthen thee, that it may be day and no longer night with thee that thy mourning may be turned into rejoicing, and that thy beautiful garments may be put on, that so the rest of thy days may be days of gladness and sweetness, and free grace may be an everlasting shade, shelter and rest unto thee. Isaiah 52 verse 1 Again, tell me, O despairing souls, do you understand and most seriously and frequently ponder upon those particular scriptures that do most clearly, sweetly and fully discover the mercies of God, the bowels of God, the grace and favour of God to poor sinners, as that Psalm 86 verse 5. For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. God's mercies are above all his works and above all ours too. His mercy is without measures and rules. All the acts and attributes of God sit at the feet of mercy. The weapons of God's artillery are turned into the rainbow, a bow indeed, but without an arrow, bent but without a string. The rainbow is an emblem of mercy, it is a sign of grace and favour and an assurance that God will remember his covenant. It is fresh and green, Revelation 4 verse 3, to note to us that God's mercy and grace to poor sinners is always fresh and green. Again tell me, O despairing souls, have you seriously pondered upon Nehemiah 9 verses 16 and 17? But they and our fathers dealt proudly, and hardened their necks, and hearkened not to thy commandments, and refused to obey, neither were mindful of the wonders that thou didst among them, but hardened their necks, and in their rebellion appointed a captain to return to their bondage. But thou art a God ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and forsookest them not. Thou art a God, says he, ready to pardon, or rather as it is in the original, thou art a God of pardons, pardons. There is a very great emphasis in this Hebraism, a God of pardons. It shows us that mercy is essential unto God, and that he is incomparable in forgiving iniquity, transgression and sin. Here, Nehemiah sets him forth as one made up of all pardoning grace and mercy, 
as a circle begins everywhere but ends nowhere, sowed in the mercies of God, Micah 7 verse 18. When Alexander did sit down before a city, he did use to set up a light, to give those within notice that if they came forth to him, whilst the light lasted, they might have quarter, if otherwise no mercy was to be expected. Oh, but such is the mercy and patience of God to sinners, that he sets up light after light and waits year after year upon them, when they have done their worst against him, yet then he comes with his heart full of love and his hands full of pardons and makes a proclamation of grace that if now at last they will accept of mercy, they shall have it. Luke thirteen seven, Jeremiah 3 verses 1 to 15. Why then, O despairing soul, dost thou make thy life a hell by having such low and mean thoughts of God's mercy, and by measuring of the mercies of God by the poor measure of thy weak and dark understanding? Again tell me, O despairing souls, have you seriously pondered upon those words in Isaiah 55 verses 7 to 9? Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man, or rather as it is in the original, the man of iniquity, his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon, or as it is in the original, he will multiply to pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Turn, O despairing souls, to these scriptures, Numbers fourteen, nineteen, and 20, Exodus 34 verses 6 and 7, Micah 7 verse 18 and 19, Isaiah 30, 18 and 19, Psalm 78, 34 to 40, 103, 8 to 13, Jeremiah 3 verses 1 to 12, Luke 15 verses 20 to 24, and 1 Timothy 1 verses 13 and to 17. And tell me whether you have seriously and frequently pondered upon them, Oh, how can you look so much grace and so much love and favour and such tender bowels of compassion in the face as appears in these scriptures and yet rack and tear your precious souls with despairing thoughts? Oh, there is so much grace and goodness, so much love and favour, so much mercy and glory sparkling and shining through these scriptures as may allay the strongest fears and scatter the thickest darkness and cheer up the saddest spirits. And so on. Again, tell me, O oh despairing souls, do you not infinite do you not do infinite wrong to the precious blood of the Lord Jesus? Three things are called precious in the scriptures. The blood of Christ is called precious blood, one Peter one nineteen, and faith is called precious faith, two Peter one one, and the promises are called precious promises, two Peter one verse four. Now what a reproach it is to this precious blood that speaks better things than the blood of Abel, Hebrews 12:24. For you to faint and sink under the power of despair, what doth this speak out? Oh, doth it not proclaim to all the world that there is no such worth and virtue, no such power and efficacy in the blood of Christ as indeed there is? Oh, how will you answer this to Christ in that day wherein his blood shall speak and plead, not only with the profane that have trodden it under their feet, but also with despairing souls that have undervalued the power, virtue and merit of it. Hebrews 10.29 Hath not the blood of Jesus Christ washed away the sins of a world of notorious sinners? And is it not a virtue to wash away the sins of one sinner? 
Hath it had that power in it as to bring many thousands to glory already? And is there not so much virtue left in it as to bring thy soul to glory? 1 John 1 verses 7 to 9. Hath it actually delivered such a multitude from wrath to come as cannot be numbered? And is the virtue of it so far spent as that it cannot reach to thy deliverance? Are there not yet millions of thousands that shall hereafter be actually saved and justified by this blood? Why then shouldst thou despair of being justified and saved from wrath to come by the virtue and power of this precious blood? These were five monks that were studying what was the best means to mortify sin. One said to meditate on death, the second to meditate on judgment, the third to meditate on the joys of heaven, the fourth to meditate on the torments of hell, the fifth to meditate on the blood and sufferings of Jesus Christ, and certainly the last is the choicest and strongest motive of all to the mortifying of sin. Oh, despairing souls, despairing souls, if ever you would cast off your despairing thoughts and get out of your present hell and then dwell much, muse much and apply much this precious blood to your own souls, so shall sorrow and mourning flee away and everlasting joy shall rest upon you and the Lord shall give you an everlasting name and be everlasting light and glory to you and you shall be no more forsaken, for the Lord will rejoice over you, and be a wellspring of life unto you, and make his abode with you, and turn your sighing into singing, your trembling into rejoicing, and your prison into a paradise of pleasure, so that your souls shall be able to stand up and say, Oh, blessed be God for Jesus Christ, blessed be God for that precious blood, that hath justified our persons, and quieted our consciences, and scattered our fears, and answered our doubts, and given us to triumph over sin, hell, and death. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Romans 8 verses 33 to 38. The apostle, upon the account of Christ's death, of Christ's blood, cries out, Victory! Victory! He looks upon all his enemies, and sings it sweetly out. Over all these we are more than conquerors, or above conquerors. We do over, overcome. O oh, despairing souls, to all your former sins do not add this, of making light and slight of the blood of Christ. As there is no blood that saves souls like the blood of Christ, so there is no blood that sinks souls like the blood of Christ. A drop of this blood upon a man's head at last will make him miserable for ever but of a drop of it upon a man's heart at last will make him happy forever. In the day of vengeance, the destroying angel will spare you if this blood be found upon the doorposts of your hearts, otherwise you are lost forever. Exodus 12.7 Lastly, I can tell you, O despairing souls, that God hath brought some out of the very gulf of despair, out of the very belly of hell, and therefore thou mayest hope that thy sins, that are thy present burden, shall not be thy future ruin. Doth not Asaph resemble the despairing soul to the life? My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Thou holdest mine eyes waking. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. Will the Lord cast off forever? And will he be favourable no more? Is his mercy clean gone forever? And will his promise fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Psalm 77 verses 2 to 9. Now out of this gulf God delivers him. 
Verse 10, And I said, This is my infirmity, or this maketh me sick, as it is in the original. Here Asaph checks himself for casting the cordials, the comforts of the spirit against the wall, and for his having such hard, sad and black thoughts of God. And in the thirteenth verse he speaks like one dropped out of heaven. Thy way, O God, is the sanctuary, who is so great a God as our God. Formerly the thoughts of God troubled him and overwhelmed him, but now at last the thoughts of the greatness of God and of his interest in God is matter of admiration and consolation to him. So Heman the Ezraite sighs it out thus, My soul is full of troubles, and my life draweth nigh unto the grave. Thou hast laid me in the lowest pit, in darkness, in the deeps. Thy wrath lieth hard upon me, and thou hast afflicted me with all thy waves. Lord, why castest thou off my soul? Why haddest thou thy face from me? I am afflicted, and ready to die from my youth up. While I suffer thy terrors, I am distracted. Thy fierce wrath goes over me. Thy terrors have cut me off. Psalm 88, verse 3, 6, 7, and 14, verse 6. Or rather, 14 to 6, Psalm 88, verses 14 to 16. Um, and yet, for all this, Heman's state was good. His soul was safe and happy. He calls God in the same psalm the God of his salvation, version what, verse 1. So Jonah, when he was in the belly of hell, concludes that he was cast out of the sight of God, Jonah 2, 4. The sense of his sin and of God's anger and wrath was so eminent and transcendent upon him that it even distracts him and makes him speak like a departing soul. I am cast out from the presence of the Lord. I am expelled out of God's sight, as Moses was expelled from Egypt. God hath cast me out as one in whom he can take no pleasure, nor delight as a husband doth a wife that hath been false and unfaithful to him. And yet God's heart and love is so set upon Jonah that he will save him by a miracle rather than he shall be, not be saved. Jonah was as much in the heart of God, and God made his faith at last victorious. To these I shall add some other famous instances. In King James's time, there was one Mistress Honeywood of Kent, an ancient and religious gentlewoman who lived many years in much horror and terror of conscience for want of assurance of the favour of God and of her eternal well-being. She would very often cry out, I am damned, I am damned. Several men of eminent piety and parts left no means unattempted whereby her doubts would be answered, her conscience pacified and her soul satisfied and cheered. Yet she, being strongly under the power of despair, persisted in crying out, Oh, I am damned, I am damned. When these gentlemen were about to depart, she called for a cup of wine for them, which being brought, she drank to one of them a glass of the wine, and as soon as she had done, in an extreme passion, she threw the Venice glass against the ground, saying, As sure as this glass will break, so surely am I damned. The glass rebounded from the ground without any harm, which one of the ministers suddenly caught in his hand and said, Behold, a miracle from heaven to confute your unbelief. O oh, tempt God no more, tempt God no more. But the gentlewoman and all the company were mightily amazed at this strange incident, and all glorified God for what was done. And the gentlewoman, by the grace and mercy of God, was delivered out of her hell of despair, and was filled with much comfort and joy, and lived and died full of peace and assurance. Take another example. There lived lately at Tilbury, in Essex, a gentleman who was a long time under such an 
eminent degree of despair, that he rejected all comfort that was tendered to him by any hand, and would not suffer any to pray with him. Nay, he sent to the ministers and Christians that lived near him, and desired them that as they would not wish to increase his torments in hell, they would cease praying for him. He would not suffer any religious service to be performed in his family, though formerly himself was much in the use of them. Yet God gave him at last such inward refreshings, and by degrees filled him with such abundance of heavenly comforts, as he told all that came to him that it was impossible for any tongue to utter or heart to imagine that did not feel them. At last God gave him the new name and the white stone that no one knows but he that hath it. Revelation 2.17 He lived about three quarters of a year, enjoying heaven upon earth, and then breathed out his last in the bosom of Christ. Poor I, that am but of yesterday, have known some that have been so deeply plunged into the gulf of despair that they would throw all the spiritual cordials that have been tendered to them against the walls. They were strong in reasoning against their own souls and resolved against everything that might be a comfort and support unto them. They have been much set against all ordinances and religious services. They have cast off holy duties themselves and peremptorily refused to join with others in them. Yea, they have, out of a sense of sin and wrath which hath lain hard upon them, refused the necessary comforts of this life, even to the overthrow of natural life. And yet out of this horrible pit, this hell upon earth, hath God delivered their souls, and given them such manifestations of his grace and favour, that they would not exchange them for a thousand worlds. O oh, despairing souls, despairing souls, you see that others whose conditions have been as bad, if not worse than yours, have obtained mercy. God hath turned their hell into a heaven. He hath remembered them in their low state. He hath pacified their raging consciences and quieted their distracted souls. He hath wiped all tears from their eyes, and he hath been a well spring of life unto their hearts. Therefore be not discouraged, O despairing souls, but look up to the mercy seat. Remember who is your rest and kick no more by despair against the wooings of divine love. I'm going to leave that there. That's halfway through chapter 3, and we look forward to the second half of the chapter, this lovely chapter, um, in the next episode.